We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Day More NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast. Coming up after game five, I'm joined by Timberwolves beat writer Jace Frederick. Jace Wolves lose 111-109 to the Memphis Grizzlies. In a game they should not have lost, uh, fell apart in the fourth quarter. That's really, I mean, we can go all the way back to the beginning of the game First half was not pretty, but it feels like the game was really defined in the fourth quarter tonight. What what sticks out to you most from the fourth quarter? This series is defined by the fourth quarter right now, right? I yeah. mean, we're sitting here with the Memphis 3-2, and you can honestly feel like the Minnesota is better in four of the five games, but they just can't close anything out. Like, They're it, the better team. They're the better team. They're not the more precise team. They're not the team that has the ability to to do that scrap and claw back thing. It's, it goes the other way, but they, they have the ability to get these leads. We're seeing it time and time and time again. Just the small things, small things in the fourth quarter. They're getting out efforted. And when it, when it matters most, like when the game is on the line, when it all comes down to like, who's going to get that loose ball, who's going to grab that rebound. The answer is always Brandon Clark. <laughs> always. That's it. It's always Brandon Clark. He had 10 rebounds in the fourth quarter tonight, seven offensive rebounds. That's unbelievable. To allow somebody to do that to you, I'm sure we'll talk about this, but he's the only big on the court for Memphis. They had one big. You had one guy you really had to box out, and they wouldn't do it time and time again. But look, let's start there, because that's where I mean, we're sitting together at the game, and I'm like, whoa. <laughs> they just took a Jerry Jackson fouled out, and they go with Brandon Clark at the five, Dylan Brooks at the four, Desmond Bain at the three, Tyus Jones at the two, John Morant at the one. You as the Wolves are way bigger than them at, at that point. When at, at that point in the game, they had Cat on the floor, Vando, Torian Prince, who's also a big three, D'Lo, and, and Pat Bev. And I don't know if it's just this whole thing where they're like used to being the smaller team in so many games as they as they normally are, but they don't they don't have like a gear where they can punish undersized teams because Really, the option, the way you would punish that is by going to Carl on the interior and Memphis is just selling out to take that away. And I, I just, I mean, I get it. The double teams worked on Carl all year, but it's just, in my mind, it's 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 inexcusable to not be able to 
heavily involve Carl in in late game offense when Brandon Clark is the biggest player on the floor. It just even if he's getting doubled, I feel like that's a double that that they should be able to take advantage of. They didn't even try. They didn't even try to go to the interior at all. And I don't know. It's just that's not a roster problem. That's just a an inability to execute problem in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and we talk about how the doubles can kind of mitigate Carl's impact, and that's a point of its own. But, I mean, it's so simple to get the double and just kick out um, and then swing, swing, and get a shot. And I'm not saying that that's always what you want, but it's way better than the looks they were getting down the stretch. It's way better than the looks they often get down the stretch, where instead it's like, instead what they do is either Ant or D'Lo, um, sometimes they'll like do like a handoff to one another, get the switch so that Ant gets the ball on John Morant, now just dribble, 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 and pull along three. Like That's a terrible look. Um, going inside to Carl would... Even if it's not through Carl, it's it's running the offense through him. It's getting somebody else an open look with some kind of offensive flow. It can't be any worse. Like I think they went eight for twenty four in the fourth quarter, and a lot of those makes came early in the quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as they built up that thirteen point lead, and then everything just stalls out. And I I think it's kind of like I don't know, like their brains freeze. Like offensively, they stop moving on the glass. I don't think it's just that Brandon Clark is just this incredible monster, like he is, but. I just feel like they're all just always standing around. Like it's like they're it, it waiting for the be clock open, to run out. It shouldn't be an open conversation of whether or not Brandon Clark is the best player in this series, right? And it is. Yeah, for sure it is. Every night, who's bringing? Who is the guy who's bringing it every single night, making an impact every single night in this series? It's Brandon Clark it and is. Desmond Bain. Those mm-hmm. two. We talk about who has the best players in the series, and we go John Morant, Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards, D'Angelo Russell. You can go like, oh, maybe they have three of the four best players. It's not even close. Uh, they don't, regardless. But in this series, they haven't had the best two. The best two play for Memphis. It's Desmond Bain and Brandon Clark. And they, and I mean, I respect how the Wolves have, you know, game plan to try and take Ja out. For sure. You know, and that that made sense in this series. We saw the four games during the regular season. High wall, get the ball out of his hands when they could do that. When he's not splitting pick and rolls, it's like, okay. Like, the jaw offense part of this is is cooled off. But then... Because all they can do is bring Carl up to the... That's their only defensive scheme that they've had any success with. It's Carl up there, which opens up in game four. That opened up eight made threes for Desmond Bain, right? Because he's just chilling in the opposite corner. Now, when Clark is also on the opposite side of Desmond Bain, now you got a guy in the dunker spot who won in the first half is there for lob dunk, lob dunk, lob dunk from, from the dunker spot. Or... He's there for offensive rebounds. So it's gone from a series in my mind where it's like, okay, the Wolves have an answer to Memphis's, you know, main thing, which their main thing during the regular season was John Morant and Steven Adams. That's what they right. they killed Steven Adams. He's done. They're not even going to him at all anymore. But they the Wolves do not have answers for the things on the fringes. Desmond Bain shooting threes and and now like full-on Charles Barkley mode, Brandon Clark. I mean, it's it, it's ridiculous. And I, I don't... They kept saying in the post-game presser, you know, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out for Friday for game six. And, you know, obviously I haven't... <laughs> the game just ended. I haven't really thought about it. I don't know what the answer is to that because I don't think you can, like... Can you scheme Brandon Clark out of that position? I, I think he's going to probably do... I may not get seven offensive rebounds in the fourth quarter again, but like, isn't Brandon Clark going to have an awesome game six as well? 
I certainly think so. What did you think about in the fourth, especially late, Memphis starts bringing up two screeners? Yeah. I'm almost giving like Jaw an option. And it seemed like that was allowing Jaw to find different creases to get downhill. I thought that was super smart because, well, I, I thought Steven Adams was going to play in this game. Yeah, so did, I thought maybe he would too. Because I think you were Memphis, you were getting a little bit desperate, right? Coming into coming into game five, you're like, we got to tap into our offensive rebounding thing and we got to get Jaw to the rim. And Steven Adams does both of those things for them. Obviously, best offensive rebounder in the league, but also he sets those screens that actually unlock Jaw to, to go downhill. That's why he's splitting all the pick and rolls and the when, when Adams was playing, all that. So I thought it was a really good idea to bring both of the bigs up there because now Ja can just choose, okay, which one of them is setting a better screen here? And you fake left, go right, whatever it might be. And and that's what was getting, you know, Ja downhill. I don't think the dunk play was that exactly. I think that but, was just a breakdown with like late in the... Yeah, just, I think he just beat McDaniels off yeah. the... Jane was way too aggressive on the perimeter. Yeah. And, but like... That's what Memphis kind of did. And I wouldn't even say Memphis had a great game in this. But no. they're, they're starting to scratch back at some of the things that were their identity during the season that gave them the, you know, the second best record in the league. So that that double big thing, it wasn't even big. Sometimes it was like Dylan Brooks. It doesn't matter who it was. Yeah, but maybe that's something you can adjust for. I just don't I don't know if that adjustment, again, does anything other than like stop jaw you know there's still i think you still have the clark problem and you still probably have the bame problem which i don't know as crazy as it sounds to say it almost feels like the wolves need to not run their high wall thing against jaw or at least be able to mix it up i mean can you just play way back on jaw with your guy and dare him to shoot threes yeah you go to drop i mean I, i i don't know it's just i don't think you can go to drop well, we never want to go to drop. Yeah. But one positive externality of drop is you rebound better. True. Carl's not as up. You know, I thought that was actually really interesting after the game when, when we were asking Carl about the offensive rebounding problems. And he's like, well, the, the problem is, is I have to get up to contest these. When Ja gets to the rim. Yeah. Ja, whoever, you know. And, and he does, right? Because... They're these little six-foot floater things that they're going to make at a high clip if Carl's not contesting those. But Carl's now jumping for that. This is what Carl said. He's like, now I'm jumping for that, which kind of takes me out of rebounding position. And that's when Clark comes swooping in. And it's, you know, it's oftentimes it's Clark with Pat Bev or Ant or D'Lo needing to box him. And <laughs> that's, you know, that's going to come up green for, for Memphis. So again, I got to watch it back I, I i don't this is the most concerned i've been that the wolves don't have answers for memphis that said they're still clearly the better team like inability to maybe maybe not 48 minute team but i don't remember many 7-2 series where i go well the better team is the is the seven seed and and it 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 looks like that very clearly it's just these execution points that they they don't have i mean it, it it also is something where like it's fortitude at some point. I mean, like, and that's, that's how a team yeah, wins right. 56 games because they bring it every single night and they're never out of a game and they're always pushing back and they're pushing you for 48 minutes. And, and eventually like they're going to break you Um, in Minnesota. We saw some good stretches, some nights where they didn't always bring it. And now we're seeing that in smaller doses in the game. 
we're seeing it where they're bringing it for three quarters, but can't bring it for a fourth quarter. Um, you right. know, there's just lapses. It could be at the end of the second quarter in game three. Game three, they're just not as persistent as Memphis is, um, and that's where they're losing the games right now. And to Memphis's credit, that might be their best trait. It is, yeah, it's relentless, just relentless. Yeah. Um, and and it's probably the Wolves' weakest. Minnesota, it is very fair at this point. Like, okay, early in the season in Memphis, Minnesota led by 13 in the final five minutes of the game. Lost. Carl had to hit like a 40-footer to even send it to overtime. Uh, And just like an epic collapse. Game three, an epic collapse. Blow leads of 25 and 26. He led by 16 at the start of the fourth, and that was gone by like like seven minutes left, maybe even more. And then tonight, you're up by 13 with 9.30 left. Carl's shushing the crowd after hitting that triple, and it's going to a timeout, and you're like, wow, Minnesota's going to go up 3-2. So I... At this point, I would almost think that it's like a that's like a crippling thing when you no matter what the lead is, I think in the back of everybody's minds, I'm certainly thinking it is like, are they gonna blow this? I don't think so. Well, they might blow this. And well, how do they not at think best that you're too? like, well, they're gonna cut back into it. Yeah. And how's Minnesota gonna respond? And the answer is always bad. Uh, they're it's like, well, okay, time to go into isolation basketball. Time to hope that maybe Carl gets the rebound or somebody else does because I'm not going to. Um, I'm not going to do all the little things. Memphis is a little too physical for me right now. Uh, you right. know, it's it's. I I don't know how you continue to come back from this because even game four, Dane, I don't think Minnesota closed all that great in game yeah. four. I think Memphis had a couple shots to tie that game and they didn't go down, and so Minnesota kind of survived it. Uh, and so right now, like I asked. Do they have like a psych- psychological problem right now? And Chris Finch said no, because you can't say yes, obviously, <laughs> to that question. But I still think it's a fair one. And it's one that they can only really answer with their play. Yeah. And I don't I don't know exactly why that is, because I wouldn't. I mean, they do have persistent players. They do have Grinder. They got Vando. They got, you know, they got Pat Bev, who consistently give that to you. I mean, McDaniels played a lot in the fourth quarter. I'd, I'd put him in in that box, too. I think. I think with the big three, there's a little bit of like mental gymnastics that they're just going through here that kind of lead to that. It's like, oh shit, like that 13 point leads now four. Which one of us is gonna get it back to six, get it back to seven, you know? And and that's where that's where they that's where we see that this team is in the first stage of whatever they're gonna be, right? Because it's been all season where as good offensively as Carl D'Angelo and Ant can be, it's not congruent, right? Like they're not doing it together. And that that's why I, I asked Ant after the game. I was like, what, what's the key to getting Cat involved in this, you know, in the late game offense? Because somebody's got to give him the ball. He's not, he's not the guard. And and that's what Ant said. He goes, Well, you know, we we wrestle with like it wanting to be me and wanting it to be D'Lo and wanting it to be Carl. And that's you know, not to not to get ahead to like off season mode, but they need to figure out how to make those three work better together when they need a bucket when, or in the fourth quarter, or they need to break that up. If it's if it's too much, like three ball dominant guys that we can't. I'm, again, I've already said this. I, I think it's ridiculous that Carl Anthony Towns, when the biggest player on the floor is Brandon Clark, that they have. They don't. Ant said, "I don't know. I don't know how to. We don't know how to get Carl the ball in those situations. That's to me. That's inexcusable. You've had eighty-seven games now. You know they they should know that, and that's either got to come around now, or it's got to come around next season, or you you've ran into you've ran into a wall here with 
your three very talented offensive players who just don't always feed off of each other, you know? And I, I don't know exactly why that is. I, I agree with you. And I will say Carl took six fourth quarter shots. He and me and both did. They went two for six. Carl also had two turnovers in the fourth, pretty costly one late. Uh, but he still has to be the solution and you need to find a way for him to be the solution. Even if time, even if there are times when it doesn't work, whatever the case may be, um, because I certainly felt like there were times where he was hitting shots and it was like two or three more possessions until it got back to him. And that can't be the case. Uh, but do they maybe need to go to him earlier in the game in those spots to, to like play through the doubles? So that's even an option later in games. Yeah, because they don't do it ever. So like he can't even really get in the rhythm of it. Yeah, I mean, he's out saying. there. He's out there when when Memphis went. Jaron Jackson falls out. Memphis goes tiny. Yep. And it was like the first six, seven possessions. Carl was like in the corner or above the break. Yep. And really a spacer, really. Yeah. I mean, that's that's decoy mode. It's the same thing in the game when he only shot four shots. It's like and and decoy mode works a lot of time. It did work in game three when they blew the lead that cat was getting off the doubles and it was leading to open shots and they can break that. But there's something I think you shift into a different mode in the fourth quarter where they're going to be scrambling faster to Get, if Carl gets doubled and they're trying to pass out and you're trying to find the, you know, the open three point guy, like they're going to scramble out to that better, right? It's the fourth quarter. They're, so it's not when Carl's passing off. My point is when Carl's passing off of it out of double teams in the fourth quarter, it's not leading to as good of looks as it does in the first quarter or the second quarter, third quarter, where that is pretty clearly the best option there. And I, not a coach, I don't know what the answer is, but I just kept watching the lead dwindle away and i'm like isn't just the best option has to be go through carl here i still think the best option is they just like pick each possession and then one of them gets the matchup they like and they're like okay i'm gonna go here and that's bad offense no matter what i don't care who you are because now everybody's set up behind you all the help set up everybody knows who's got the ball they know you're not getting off the ball because you never do none of the three of you do Mm. uh with 12 seconds left and it's really easy to play defense when you know exactly what's going to happen what did we see in like i don't know if it was the second quarter or maybe the third it was the reserves were in and memphis who's been playing switch heavy the entire time really for games now and but the reserves are constantly moving the ball onto the next guy, another screen, another switch, make them switch four times within a possession. Guys get lost, other guys get open. You get a step on somebody and you get an easy bucket. Mm-hmm. But we see Ant, D'Lo, and Cat, they'll make like one switch, they'll kick it out. That guy will go, Ooh, I like this matchup. Let me size him up for five or six seconds and then go when the whole defense is set. And that's Ant, that's D'Lo, that's Carl. Uh, and Pat Bev sometimes too. Pat Bev will do the same thing. He'll be like, oh, I have jaw here. I had success with this in game three. Let me do it again. And it's not as successful every time. You're not a great offensive player. That's just the truth. You have abilities to attack in certain situations, but it can't be the focal point. And they just become so easy to guard, which is unbelievable given how much offensive talent they have on the court. Right. But they're so predictable um, that, you, that you can just load up against them and know that they're not going to kick it out to one another. Know that they're not going to make you switch multiple times and execute multiple times. You have to switch once against those guys. And then everybody kind of sags in, loads up, whatever the case may be, and you get a stop. And with Carl, like, if he gets that switch onto Desmond Bain or whatever the case may be, maybe at that point he does need to get off the ball and then try to get down and say, like, can I get low post position against Desmond Bain, please? Right. To make that double difficult. Uh, or he catches the ball and he's like, okay, Desmond Bain, I'm going to try to drive through Desmond Bain here. And we've seen it. He's not, it doesn't work. I'm um, not consistently. Well, and anyway. they're going to, they're more likely to call the offensive foul when it's six foot three Desmond Bain. And you Desmond know? Bain's built like a fullback anyway. So. Right. It's not fair. I'm not saying it's fair, but yeah, I just, 
I understand why the the post up problems have been a post up problem, but the fourth quarter struck me as a time where it's like probably got to get the ball to cat or you got to get the ball to cat in, in, in one way or the other. And what I loved in the first three quarters of the game is Carl was creating for himself on the perimeter. I have no idea, no idea why that doesn't happen more often. It's rampant through the NBA of players who can shoot and make step back threes. They do it. Right. And Carl can and make step. He's made 41.4% of his step back threes in his career. All of his other threes, 39.6%. So yeah, like a step back three is like, quote unquote, a bad shot, right? And we even say that sometimes we're like Luca and stuff's doing it. Carl makes them right. at a higher clip than those dudes. Why? If we're going to just ISO it out and be stuck and sticky offense, that is better than a D-low isolation on any player. It just is. How... I'm totally with you. Like, and that that has disappeared from his game for a couple months now, and it's it's mind boggling. Uh, the whole three point volume. He's so is, good at it. Yeah, it is. And we see you see that tonight. Every time he shot a three, it was like this is going down, and he shot it with great confidence. And it's like, man, you should be pulling six or seven of these a game, uh, but it doesn't happen. And then the post up, it's like it's almost like he's become a little bit of a one trick pony because he's not he's not going to rip the three most games. He did it more tonight, mm-hmm. and he's not going to get down in the post. I still. I still always say like it's a little lazy of him to not try to get better post position to make it more difficult to double. He doesn't do that, regardless of who's on him. Um, yep. I don't know if he has to get stronger. I don't know if he needs better technique, whatever the case may be. You need to be able to get posi- whatever position you want against Dylan and Brooks. Seal. Yeah, exactly. Seal him off. Make yourself like make as soon as you catch the ball, have yourself in great position where you can turn and score against those small guys. You have to be able to do that. But anyway, so like now it's basically like it's just Carl driving from the perimeter. And now you're putting yourself in position to to have offensive fouls, uh, you know, to have the stray voltage, whatever the case may be. To have seven turnovers like he did tonight, even on a night where he was pretty good, uh, seven turnovers cancel some of that out. I mean, a turnover late, like I said, you know, like you're so skilled, you can do so many things. So use more of your bag. Um, yep, absolutely. Uh, let's make a break in here quick. We'll be back with Jason in a second. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, we are back with Jace Frederick of the Pioneer Press. Uh, discussing game five of Timberwolves Grizzlies. It is now Memphis three, Wolves two. It feels like a series that they should be winning, and it feels like four one, man. It should be four. This it, series should be over. It should be tonight. over. If they just close in game three and close tonight, they win four one, and people are like, wow, they're done before Golden State. Let's mm. see what happens against Golden State. And it right. doesn't feel like that at all right now. No, it, 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 it doesn't. And if it, it kind of feels like one, if it was a nine game series, like I picked the Wolves. Yeah, right. Because I do think in ways they're getting more confident against this team. But they're running out of time, you know, and it's hard. I go I, I, I go both ways with it where I'm like, well, you're running out of time. Fourth quarter, as we've just talked about ad nauseum is bad for the Wolves. But man, Memphis doesn't look very good a lot of the time. First first half tonight. If you just if this was the first game you watched of this series and you just watched the first two quarters of this game, you would go, well, neither team's that good. But the team with Wolves on their jersey is definitely better. And and that that should be all it takes. That should be all it takes. And and that gives me some hope for game six. It makes me think they'll win game six because you know they'll have the crowd and extra confidence behind them. But you gotta win two now. And like we keep saying it like they look so much better. And the crowd, and it feels like they can't lose at Target Center. They lost game three and they won game four by one point. Like in those games, they seemed so much better, but it just never matters. Like it feels like every game, no matter what, even if it feels like Minnesota has a phenomenal chance to win, it ends at a coin flip. And so now you have to have two coin flips where you have to win against a team who has shown that it is significantly better at closing basketball games than you are. So you have to have such a decisive advantage. Well, yeah, so that, I guess, you know, that's that's the predicament is can you blow that lead up even higher? And then you got a 43 point. I'm like they did at Target Center in like November. Like that's <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, that that has to be the answer is just stomp on them earlier because like on game six, I am sure at some point in the first half, the Wolves will be up by like 15. Yeah, they just will, you know, and and so it's just. Because when it comes down to execution time on the fourth, Memphis is probably going to win that. So because you got to like game three it right where you you got to have that twenty six point lead once or twice. And and I don't I, I think if they do get that big, they won't blow it. Yeah, like that's that's very that's a blood lot of points. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, and said it tonight. Dude. He goes, maybe we'll get a lead next game and and we'll hold it. <laughs> he started laughing. I started laughing because like the way he said it, he's like, and maybe we'll hold it. <laughs> and then he goes, it is funny. <laughs> but we got to do it. It's I think you know why you know why Memphis closes better? Why? Because when they get to their hero ball, their hero attacks the rim mm. and breaks down a defense. And if he doesn't score, then that breaks everything down so Brandon Clark can do it. When the Wolves three heroes 
the three musketeers of heroes try to play isolation ball. Ant does not drive. D'Lo obviously doesn't drive. Carl, even late in games, doesn't want to drive either. It's just a couple He's dribbles. Four or five fouls. Yeah, yeah. It's a couple dribbles, and it's a and it's a contested long jumper. And now you're just hoping you get bailed out by one of those really difficult shots going in, where Memphis is generating high quality looks, and you are generating low quality looks. And so when it, when the pendulum starts turning, it's not stopping. Minnesota, I think it's on Ant if he's going to take a jump as a player, and maybe it's not the series of the season. He needs to say, okay, it's late in the game. I'm going to attack the bucket relentlessly. And then maybe Carl needs to be like, Ant's attacking the bucket. I'm going to attack the offensive glass. Maybe yeah. that's kind of the, the philosophy moving forward with this team. I, I, I think I think that that's probably it. And I think Ant, as a 20-year-old, is it doesn't totally have it all figured out yet. Of, Certainly didn't on the last defensive possession. No. I mean, in, in all seriousness, we're, we're seeing a lot. I mean, that was a very 20-year-old move. After a phenomenal hit. You know, yes. like on a great, well-drawn-up play, Jordan McLaughlin delivers the pass and hits the corner three. Should I mean, Ant's a stud. Yeah, he's exactly. A, he's no a, question. He's a stud, but no question. he's got a ways to go in ba- the basketball IQ point of it, you know, the, the time-scoring situation. You can't go try and steal that ball from Ja right there. You can't. And he said he knew before the play started he was going to do that. He admitted it was dumb, but he before the play started, and that and that that's what I thought. I, I I think Ant is a very smart person. I think right. he can be a smart basketball player. But like that's that's the difference between basketball IQ is, is time score situation stuff and because Ant believes too much in what he can do. Yeah, and, and he can no, do a hell like, of a lot. Yeah, it's just you just got to find a way to channel that. You know, and Pick you see that more in the playoffs too, where like the little things like that just. I mean, all of these games is like we always talk about. Like people are like, oh, you know, you just turn the game on in the last for the fourth quarter, like the last six minutes or whatever. Well, in the playoffs, you got to do your work in the first 42 minutes to get to those six minutes because this is literally every possession. You're just like trying to shave off percentages of a point, right? you know, like that's all it is. And it it comes back and forth to being a one-point game, two-point game one way or the other. And that's what Ant and this whole team has to do is more of that margin stuff during the game to extend that lead that you have in the fourth quarter that you're going to give up to to some degree. There's just, they're learning. And I'll, I'll put it like this. Like, I came into the, the whole playoffs thinking, like, get a playoff, a playoff series that will lead to experience and, and learning opportunities. And in the moment right now, you're like, damn it, Ant. Like, you know, why'd you go for that steal? Or right. why can't we figure out this stuff in the fourth quarter offense? Well, they will have learned from this, right? And and if we're you know we're talking it's media day next year, right? It's going to be you know what did you what did you learn from this? What are you going to be able to to put in motion here? And there's a frustration right now that they they don't know these things, but at the same time, I do think the experience of having done this is immense, not only for Ant who's 20, but for Carl and for D'Angelo who don't have much experience in these situations either. I do think the frustrating part is that we saw this offense so much in clutch situations all season, and it never really feel like it felt like it got remedied. And they the never playoffs, figured it out. The playoffs ex- expose your warts. That's what they do, and this was an obvious one all year. And now it's like, okay, you not only played a season, but like a season and a third. Um, you know, at the end of last year as well. I know that the time doesn't count the same as this year does, but. I don't know how much time it has to take to figure it out either. But you know, you're right. Like all of this experience probably leads to better days down the road. Um, 
Yeah, I mean that that's the that's and we're the not club. counting the series is over, by the way. No, we're I we're not. I'm not because I I'm I come into every one of these games. I came into tonight thinking like I think if the Wolves have a good chance to win this. And everyone was like, oh, you know, they're probably gonna lose this one, and then it's you know back to target center, and then you gotta win the game seven here. Well, the Wolves have shown that they could play with this team any night. Like they could the, the Memphis, Memphis crowd isn't like yeah. that that's that's not this big needle move. It's not rockets, no. Uh they could win each of the next two games by 15 points. No one'd be like stunned, you know. They should. Yeah, frankly, right. They 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 should. And and you know, there's a lot of we got to play for 48 minutes. We got to learn from this and that. Well, like, all right, here, here's your shot. Like, this is not a complicated solve. It's it's just attention to detail for 48 minutes, and maybe that learning we're talking about. Like, maybe you don't need a whole summer have to learn from that and you you learn from it for game six and you bust their ass in game six i could easily see that happening at home so you don't kind of like yeah shrivel up right late, so you don't late have in the game to. and then and then you, and you know when you then right. you come back here like I, i'm not i'm you not saying it's here. over right it, it isn't over it, this is because it's not one team is clearly right. better than right. the other so one either team could right. you know right rattle them off here but I, I will say like i i think they don't even have to overcome those hurdles and they can still win this series like they don't even have to like fix those issues and win this series because they just have to be not as terrible down mm-hmm. the stretch and they they will win these games but i do think like will they fix those warts i don't think so because i think back to something Dilo said i think after game three and he said it was about like being even killed or whatever and he said at this point you kind of are who you are mm. and remember that i that stuck with me and i he thought, said it's the playoffs yep you, so you are who you, you are. You are who you are at this point. Um, unless you can somehow shift your mentality, then maybe that can change. But usually you are who you are. And this is who they are. Um, you know, like right. this is who they've been all season. And now they try to win with what they have. And they can still win this series with what they have. And know that that's an area of growth, regardless of whether they advance from this or not. One thing I will give them credit for all year is they've lost bad games like this. Yep. And it doesn't linger. No, nope, they'll it, show up Friday. They'll they will. Show up. They will. And I mean, that's a that's a, a commendable that's a fortitude, right? Yeah, and, yep, and, for and sure. being able yep. to do in that. its own way, for sure. But you know, can you get that to sustain, right? Can you get that to sustain and, and, and carry over for four quarters or well, for eight quarters now and, and be able to do it? And it's just it's just what makes the analysis of this series so hard is I mean, I, I'd love to just be talking to you about like, oh, like strategic moves here and there. it isn't that's not what the series is about no it's not it's not it's both ways who's going to keep their head yep because jaron jackson jr's got 26 yep. fouls in five games he's not doing that either memphis should have even mentioned him memphis should have been leading in the first half by 15 points but they just play like they play with chaos they don't control it a lot of times like they made so many little mental errors that kept them from ballooning that lead in the first half and really taking control well, the wolves had the lead <laughs> yeah exactly the lead. Yeah, yeah the, no, the memphis got up to like a 13 to 2 lead and, oh yeah, yeah, no and, and it was like okay, this should really keep compounding. Like, and instead Memphis like mislay up here, turn over here, like silly play here, and now all of a sudden it's like the end of the first quarter. The Wolves got hot from three at the end, and they led at the end of the first quarter because Memphis just like kicked the ball around too much, and they do that a lot. Like they both do. these two teams turn it over a ton. Like I always think Matt Moore. I mentioned this to you a few times. He tweeted this during Game Four, and I thought it was perfect. <laughs> this series is like two teams of interns trying to enter a heart surgery competition and that's how it feels in the playoffs it's like neither one of these two teams is like ready for this but we're gonna see which one can figure out how to advance to the next round it it, it is that it's the turnovers 
I mean, Finch said after the game, we gave him 41 extra possessions. It was 23 turnovers and 18 tw- offensive Yes. Zones. Yeah. And I mean, that's youth. That's immaturity. That's not knowing how to, you know, knowing how to do it. And, and Memphis has had the same problem on the other side where for both of these teams, they want to get out and run so much, right? right? But they get out and run and they think somebody's cutting and not cutting right. and you're passing it to somebody in the stands. I mean, the vol- if, if the team who wins game six will have fewer turnovers. And probably, the, I don't know, is that true maybe for this whole series? It, it feels like it. It just feels like it dies for both teams when they throw the ball out of bounds or some Carl or Jaron gets a killer offensive foul. I'm like, okay, yep. other team's ball. <laughs> Do you think, okay, I don't want to talk too much about Tyus Jones, but I was waiting. Is it any coincidence? This is, like, this is like Bill Simmons bringing up the Celtics. Exactly, correct. Yep, no question. I was going to get to it eventually. But you talk about, like, with this team, I've seen it with Memphis now where I see, like, okay, like, the one thing they have to do is play kind of in control, and and that's when they can be at their best because they're getting out still. They're running, but they're taking advantage of these opportunities and not kicking them away. So I'm starting to think it's not, wasn't a huge coincidence that they went 19-4 and four when the guy who led who leads the league every year and assists the turnover ratio started. And I'm thinking it's not a coincidence that they beat Minnesota by 12 points tonight when Tyus Jones is on the court. Like they just need a little bit of control. And John Morant is your point guard. Will be a lot of explosion, explosion, but also some bad here yeah. and there. Um, and and they well, same thing on the other side of exactly. the ball too. Yep, yep, one hundred percent. Jordan McLaughlin brings a little bit of control to Minnesota's chaos too. And sometimes you just need that mixed in, like a little Elka Seltzer, exactly. And maybe not even mixed in, but maybe featured a little bit more. You know, like more often out on the floor. Um, mm-hmm. I think both those teams are playing. Well, a better I, brand of basketball when those guys are on the court. I have to imagine that there was a temptation from Finch to close the game with J-Mac over, you know, Pat Beverdillo. And then Pat Bev fouled out. Yeah, yeah, which we, which we got to. But, yeah. but I don't, it was, yeah, I don't know if he would have went to it otherwise, but he probably should have. Well, I, there's just the political issue of Correct. that, yep. you know. And, which and, is a big part of basketball coaching. We all know it. 100%. Uh, yeah, and I, I, you need all those guys to be for the rest of the series. So I get it, but it is, it is frustrating that it feels like going to J-Mac would have been a great option because not because J Max some incredible player but simply because he just slightly tones down the chaos and the frustration is that neither D'Lo or Pat Bev you already got two point cards in your starting lineup right and and neither of them really do that the only times when they like are meticulous about it they have to play so slow correct yeah you know Pat's got to walk it up the floor very deliberate D'Lo's got to be very deliberate with it J Mac has the ability to calm things down without slowing things down and that just seems to be such like a skeleton key for for the wolves and i don't know you're not gonna play j mac 30 minutes in in game six but you need that j mac energy into you know your offense getting out in transition and all the things that the wolves do well he 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 does unlock that he has these last two i mean who did they trust on the final offensive possession to run the play yeah, it that was led Jordan to the McLaughlin. Yeah. Yep, he was the one who they put the ball in his hands, and he's the one then who has to get in the position and make the pass to end. And he did it, you know, because he he's just a he is a driver of good offense of execution. You you asked Finch about this before the game, about him and this the topic we're talking yep. about right yep. now, and and what was the way you framed it? You were like, I framed there- it as is there is there like value coming back? Is there a growing value again? 
in point guards who are table and pace setters. Yes. And he said, I think so. He like because it they for can second. get to yes. the lane. What do you say? Because they can get to the lane. Yep. And their first instinct is to get off of it. Correct. Yep. And they that's can break the down opposite. the defense and get off of yes. the ball once you break it down to let the, everything flow. And that's not Ant's natural nope. thought. That's nope. not Delo's natural thought. It's not Jaw's it, natural thought. It's not. Call, it was Pat Bev's during the regular season, but now he's so into this Jaw matchup that. Yep. I he's agree. looking a little bit more. He's getting himself in some terrible spots. Yeah, and. Because the help's there. And I know. He's not reacting enough to it. I know. It's it's just a little bit too much of the the going at Jaw thing, even though I think that's helpful. It makes Jaw work and, and, and all those things. But he couldn't wait with 2.30 left when he scored to do the too little thing on Jaw. And I was <laughs> like, man, this is like a four-point game with 2.30 left. Do we have to do this right now? And what does Jaw do? He goes down and scores and, and does it right back to him. But it's like yeah. time, and, time and place, guys. Time and score. I know. And it's it's tough, man. I, I don't know. I, I'd imagine Bulls fans are just this isn't the first haymaker they've had to take in this series of what happened in game three and what happened tonight. And I don't know. I I, I think there's reason to keep the faith because as annoying as it is that the Wolves did that, that's also kind of who they are, yep. you know? Yeah. And so if you're that's into who, this that's team, who this season's team yeah. is. Yeah. If you're into this team, you believe in that, right? Like you believe that they have the ability to figure that out. And that's the open question, right? That, that, that's what we're going to learn in game six and or seven is, is if they, you know, if they have the ability to do that and it's just tough because they got the ability, they got the ability and it's, but it's a lot of it is between the ears and I'm, and it's hard. I mean, between the years is tough in the playoffs too. Like I'm not saying this is an obvious thing for them, but man, I'm just just stuck on the fact that I'm like the Wolves are clearly the better team in this series. They or so much the better in their talent. favor. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Matchups, and, talent, like it looks like all those things come up Wolves. Which then at the end of the day, if you do lose this series, there are so many things you could look back on. And then I think you kind of wonder why did those things happen. So what do you think? What's going to happen? Are we coming back to Memphis? I think so. Uh, but like I said, you know, like, I mean, I watched game four and Minnesota ends up winning by one when if I just watched the game and never looked at the scoreboard, I would have thought Minnesota won by 25. <laughs> you know, like, and I think we're going to come the back. The point but... differential is not a great representation in this series in a weird way. Yeah, right. I think when we come back, if we come back, the only way we don't, I think, is if Minnesota just plays a clunker because they play a clunker. You know, like <laughs> like like they just like they have a bad Or night. they're just like kind of broken by this game. Sure, right. And I, but I we neither of us think that's what's gonna no, happen. No, I don't I, think I really so. don't. I don't I'm not think trying so to be a either. positive um, guy. I, I mean it's just in the NBA, like teams all the time, you can just have a bad night and it can mm-hmm. come at the worst time, and that's possible. That's why you don't want to put yourself in a situation where you have to win two straight. Mm-hmm. Uh Memphis can you know, maybe come out and just Dylan Brooks doesn't shoot like horribly and they shoot better. And I don't know. Um, Carl can Carl can just actually get good looks and go six for 18. That happens some nights. Um, so I, I'm I think still waiting back, on the awesome but, Carl game in this series. Yeah, And you and I are in agreement that game four was not an awesome Carl game. It, it was, was a, a really good, good game. Yep, yes. Really good, but not like top tier Carl. It was it was pretty good efficiency if you count in like the field goals and the free throws attempted. So now we get into like actual possessions used and points off that. Like it was pretty good. It wasn't like amazing. Um, it could still be better. 
he and he has the ability to be amazing. He does. He, I mean, he is. I think he is the more the most talented offensive player in in this series. More than Brandon Clark. <laughs> well, <laughs> good point. Like, like Ja's offense is more impactful, but that's just because they can go to him. More, yeah, right. Yeah. It's it's a volume thing. If the Wolves can get to the Carl volume thing, then. Again, I don't think Memphis has an answer for him, but he's going to have to do his work early. He's going to need to be able to score in the post at least once. Like, there's got to be some successful post-ups. He's also got to pass out of it when they're aggressively doubling him and have, I mean, help if some guys like Malik Beasley and others would would make shots around that. He's been just a ghost in this series. It's wild. He was great in the first game. Yeah. And yep. then, yeah. And then, and, and then Carl's also got to, create three-point looks for himself cannot be another one three-point attempt game. Like, if you press those buttons, if you press all the Carl buttons for game six and seven, they're winning this series. They are. But there's so many things that go against that mentally or foul trouble that leads to mentally. And there are no fouls. <laughs> there are no fouls in game six and seven. I think the Wolves win the series. Sure, yeah. You know, it's it's interesting is D'Lo said um, tonight, yeah, Jaw's going to get his and Desmond Bain's going to get his, and we're okay with that. Um, they need somebody else to step up, and that was Brandon Clark. Mm-hmm. So how do we cut that off? For the Wolves, right now, feels like Carl's going to get his and Ant's going to get his. Mm. Yep. And now who's stepping up? Because it hasn't been D'Angelo Russell, but for game three? Well, game one was Malik. Yep. Which they won, and game four was J Mac. Yeah, yep, yep. And game three, D'Lo scored, had a good offensive game, but Carl was not good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, like it's they don't have a consistent third scorer either. Like mm-hmm. we look at talent versus talent, but Minnesota's talent isn't stepping up enough on a consistent basis for that gap to show. That's what it comes down to. It's the, it's not the talent; it's the consistency of talent. Um, Memphis has had more consistency of talent and they've just been the more consistent team in the series and that's why it's it's three two right now doesn't mean the wolves can't even know if we can that say back. that they just play like one quarter of really significantly superior basketball yeah twice now i don't know i don't know what's going on <laughs> i don't either it's it's a maddening series in many ways it was maddening to and watch fun. both teams in the first half yes it's like crazy and fun. It it almost reminds me of like March Madness basketball where yeah. I'm watching. I'm like, this isn't good, but it's amazing to watch. <laughs> and that's how I felt yeah. like the first half tonight. Turnovers, sloppiness, like fouls, whatever the case may be. I'm like, this is bad basketball, but I am enjoying the heck out of myself. <laughs> right. And the end of the game was that was much better. I mean, it was it was like yeah. the competitive. It was very competitive. It was very competitive. It's better basketball in the second half. But I mean, if we could remove whatever Wolves biases we have or just people who are you know, just tapping in to watch this from elsewhere. I mean, I don't know how, if you're a fan living in Boston right now, how you're like, oh, if there's one series yep. I'm watching, yep. it's Memphis, Minnesota. And that's, I remember, if nothing else, that's fun. I remember, I think it was the year that KG was out for Boston. Like, he was hurt. So then it was like Paul Pierce and Ray Allen and those guys. And they went up against, I think, it, maybe it was a tips team. Might have been a Vinny Del Negro team with like Kirk Heinrich and Ben Gordon. And it was like a seven game series and it was amazing. And I was sitting at home. I remember that. And going like, I need that series is on tonight. I need to watch it. 2009. I, yeah. And I loved every single game. And I think this is probably that series for a lot of people because every single game, something crazy happens. All the games are wildly entertaining in their own way. Like, yes, yep. it's must see TV. It's been amazing. I mean, and I hope 
Wolves fans are enjoying it because like the postseason, that Houston series was not amazing because we knew what was going to happen and it played out the way we thought. This is so wild and unpredictable. Like, I hope like the fan emotions still allow you to enjoy it because it's been just well, I thrilling. Well, the fans know. I mean, the fans have been watching it. I mean, yeah, they're used to this experience. Right, right, right. This, this been, team, this season. Right, like you said, this has been this team this season. And as annoying as it is, they win more games than they lose. Right. Right? And so that's why I think if you're a fan going into game six, like... You should be excited about it. And quite frankly, if you're going to be at Target Center, like they need you because this young team that's immature and in its own and wonderful in its own ways, like they kind of need the bumpers of the fans, right? It would, it would have gone a long way if this game, exactly what it was, 930 left in the game, they're up by 13. Having it be the Minnesota crowd versus the Memphis crowd there, I think that makes a difference. Yeah, it's way different in game three. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. I, I think what's amazing, like, so Minnesota has that that barrier has to get over. And I do think it is amazing for Memphis. And I know, like, and whenever I mention this, people get annoyed. But this is a team that's just as young. And they, whether it's in Target Center, whether it's tonight, when you think it's going to get tight. And they're the two seed. And they're down 13 points with 930 left. How do they not collapse? You know, it's like, impressive. the pressure building on you, like, it looks terrible if you're a two-seater looks to a seven. It takes away everything you did in a 56-win season. It has a massive asterisk on it. And they just deliver. They just come in and they're like, okay, we gotta play even harder. And they do, do. it. <laughs> and they don't play worse when they play harder. They just play better. Um, It's it's really impressive. So Minnesota, if they're gonna win these next two, they're gonna have to earn it. Even if we think they're the better team, they're gonna have to earn it. And they're gonna have to play really hard because Memphis is not gonna stop coming at them at any point. And the good news is, is we've seen them play close to 48 minutes. Yep. Which you got to play 48 minutes, but not against everybody, but against Memphis. You yeah, do. yeah, yeah. They didn't. You're right. They, they, they didn't need to in the regular season because they, if they would punch first some teams and they get up by that 15, like yep. team would kind of roll with them to yep. the second half. And it's like, all right, can you punch again? Game over. Yep. Uh, Memphis is not going to be that way. It's going to be a 12 round boxing match, right? Like, and and they've the, they yes again they 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 have the capability to win this thing. So you're taking Memphis in seven. I'm sticking to what I predicted pre series. There's no reason to back away from Memphis in seven now. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I, I I think I'm I'm with I, before this before game five. I I thought the Wolves were going to win in seven. Um, for the reasons that we've laid out here, I I think there's a lot more advantages that the Wolves have than Memphis does. And maybe that's a little bit of naive belief in their ability to be able to to puncture those things. Now I'm at the point where I think the Wolves are going to win game six because I believe in their ability to not really be phased by, like, I think when Ant says after the game, like, we're not really tripping about this. Yep. Like, we're, it's going to be Friday. We're going to get, like, we're disappointed right now, but we're going to be back. For, like, I... I believe that he sets a good tone for that too. He does. Good point. And then, it, then it's you know, then it's game seven. Um, the Wolves do a really good job all season getting up for big games, and they've done that this whole series. It's just right, and like they would come out and they would show up for a game seven. They would play pretty well, I think. I just don't know if they could close the deal. They got a chance to prove it. They at got a chance point, to prove at it. At some point, they'll just make these terrible shots they're getting because they have good <laughs> shot makers, and they'll put an opponent away that way with bad offense and D'Angelo Russell 
chucking up terrible threes and chucking up terrible threes and enough of them will go in so we can say they put them away. <laughs> well, and when they do that, the law of averages is probably work out to that eventually here. I don't know if that's what they want to bank on, but it's probably I'm saying it's the most likely path. Yeah. And they, they, like you said, they got good shot makers and there's something about that, too. When you do have good shot maker, when you when you are making difficult shots, that sort of sucks the energy out of the other team. And man, they could use, you know, a little less confidence from Brandon Clark and, and some of those guys. I, I there. thought that's what was going to happen when Carl hit that three to go up four with like two minutes left. And it just didn't like and I think it helped for Memphis that they got the foul calls. So now Morant's going to the free throw line, mm-hmm. you know, and so that kind of settles you down too. like it maybe re- puts the momentum right back in your corner. But I thought that Carl three was going to be it. Um, and it was not. It was not. He's Jace Frederick. Um, I would say follow him on Twitter at Jace Frederick, but not an option right now. <laughs> currently hacked. Uh, you can still read all of his work uh, in the Pioneer Press. Um, thank you, Jace, for making me not need to talk to myself about this game for a half hour. I appreciate it. I think we need to talk to each other a lot of times just to figure out what the heck is happening in these Well, we, we normally do we both go home and yeah, then we're texting and just each text other. about it. Yeah, right. <laughs> but it's every game I walk away from this series going, what just happened? <laughs> I and I I have no answers for you. I have no answers for you, but we'll we'll move on to Friday and uh yeah. You know, we'll see what this uh what this Wolves team is made of, right? Like prove it. Prove it. Wolves fans will have to change the saying. No longer Wolves and Six. They gotta up the ante one. Yeah. Wolves and seven. Win game six. That's go on from there. Again, he's Jace. Follow him on Twitter at Jace Frederick if it's back tomorrow. <laughs> I uh, hope. I don't know, man. I think Elon Musk the sale Maybe he stole it just, it. yeah it I might mean, have it might have been him now they're working on him. other things they don't run, they're not worried about me <laughs> jace thanks again for doing it jace frederick uh i'm dane at dane more nba um i will talk to you once or twice here before before game six um figure out how this goes we gotta jason i need to get out of memphis and, and come back to minnesota and uh i will talk to you all then until then i'm dane how I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah Green and hot so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah Hope you dancing like nobody else around, yeah For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts So you can quickly and easily find what you need Plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.